This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. So this is episode 118, and over the years, we've had a ton of amazing guests on this show to share their jazz tips, their advice, their expertise with all of you. And even though we've had a a huge catalog of, of course, solo episodes with me going over lessons and stuff, we also have these guest episodes, and there's so many of them that for today's episode, I'm going to do a greatest hits of the guest episodes we've had so far. So we're going to jump right into that. But before we do that, let's cue the music. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Yo, everybody, Brent here, the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos, all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Ooh, last night I just flew in back to New York. I was going on uh, a little vacation, a much-needed vacation. Uh, me and my wife, we were in Amsterdam, and we were in Brussels, and we just had the greatest time. So for those of you that are from the Netherlands and from Belgium, thank you for just an amazing amazing countries, amazing uh, food, amazing experiences that we had. And it's actually kind of fun. In Brussels, they were having their uh, big jazz festival, so that was so cool just to kind of uh, check out some of the music uh, around the city for the time being. But, you know, I am back and ready to go to jump in. Uh, Vacation is over, so I'm here to serve you and do my very best to help you become a better jazz musician. And as I said in the intro, uh, listen, we're doing a greatest hits of some of the guests that we've had on this show. We have a big catalog at this point of episodes, and sometimes these really great interviews, like not everybody has heard them. Not everybody's been listening from the very beginning. So I want to hip you to some of these. So I'm taking like little clips uh, from some of my favorite guests and I'm not even scratching the surface with all of them. I'm just, I just kind of was, I was having a hard time picking which ones to do because I feel like all of them have been so good, but I just kind of grabbed a handful, about 13 of ones that I wanted to highlight today. And uh, man, I know you're going to love this. We have such a range of guests that I'm going to be featuring today, just kind of grabbing snippets of some of my favorite Favorite parts of those episodes. And of course, I'll uh, lead you, if you want to listen to more of those, I'll lead you further if you would like. And hey, before we jump in though, if you haven't subscribed to the show, you've been thinking about it for a while, you just haven't really subscribed, hit that button on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, make sure you do that. And of course, if you want to always be in the know about when these podcast episodes come out and everything else that we do all for free, make sure you sign up for our newsletter at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. That's how you can really get connected. All right, enough of that. Let's do this. All right, so this first one comes from episode 10, where I had world-famous jazz guitarist, 
Bruce Foreman on the show. This is back in the early days of the show. The format was even a little bit different. Um, but the interview was so awesome with Bruce. And be- before this little clip I'm about to play for you, I asked him basically just this general question about what should jazz musicians who are trying to learn, trying to improve, what should they be working on in the practice room? And this is what he had to say. Okay. Well, in the practice room, it's way different than in the playing, you know, on the on the stand. Sure, yeah, um, we could talk about both. But, but I still, but I still, I still, um, in the practice room, I still think there's certain things you need to do. Definitely having great command of the melody and being able to embellish on the melody—that's something mm. I work on to this day all the time. Um, in, introducing harmonic information, but within the context of the melody. Monk uh, did taking, that all the I, time. Monk did that. Yeah, yeah, and taking taking other melodic ideas, motifs, and working them through the changes, but not in the context of, of molesting the idea of the motif. I mean, developing the motif, let it, let, you know, like maybe you'll start off with kind of small intervals, but then, you know, you'll hear a big interval jump, and then that becomes a sequence of events that you work through the changes, you know, just some sort of really contextual storytelling you know, and, and, and the beautiful thing in practice is you can stop and like, wow, I heard this, but I played that. Why, what was I hearing? And what did I, you know, like, and, and you, you correct an intervallic uh, issue that you have. Like, you know, we need to develop savvy so that when we hear a note from wherever we are, we can just play that next note. And so like you hear a note and you go to play it. If you didn't play the one you wanted, find out where it is, you know, and you're training your, your brain to, to work by ear, you know, and then you can also use your mind to help you guide to find harmonic information, where the thirds and sevenths are, things mm-hmm. like that. That's a great way to do it. I, I do these things all the times when I'm shedding, and also I would suggest highly to, to play a line of continuous eighth notes through everything is a great way to practice through a tune because it forces you to... Uh, on a lot of levels, one, you start to hear resolutions as they're about to happen, and if you're going to get there early, you, you learn to adjust to it, or if you're going to get there late, you might want to adjust to it. Your time gets better. Your your chops get better, but more importantly, you know, when you're swinging, it feels great, but if you stop swinging, what does everybody do? They stop playing, and they start another line. So those are some great tips from Bruce in episode 10, and I was really thrilled to listen back to this because some of the stuff he was talking about as far as developing the melody and using motifs and all that stuff are actually lessons that uh, are in the new ebook that we came out in, in companion course, the Jazz Standards Playbook, thejazzstandardsplaybook.com. And uh, it was just cool to hear him reinforce some of those, those things. Uh, listen to this. this is like almost two years or so later. So that's super cool. Uh, and I love the idea of playing with the eighth notes as well. So that was a great episode with Bruce. If you want to listen to the rest of the episode, you can go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 10, episode one zero. So for the next guest, we're going to go back to episode nine, backtrack just one, uh, where we had Josiah Bornasian, composer, saxophonist, Josiah Bornasian, on the show to talk about composing and how to do it. And before this clip, I asked him, what are some things that maybe those who are new to composing or stuck and not able to compose music, what are some things that they can do to get that process started? And here's what he had to say. So, you know, make sure you make sure you have your basics covered. Make sure you know, you know, basic scale chord theory. Make sure you know a little mm. bit about basic music notation. Uh, but it starts with your imagination. And if you're really, really having problems, 
then sometimes it might seem counterintuitive or it might seem like a paradox, but sometimes starting with composition as an exercise or, or starting with strict restrictions can give you much better results than, you know, than starting with nothing to base your composition on. Um, you know, it, it's the, it's sort of like the vastness of the possibilities of, oh, I could write anything that prevents you from writing anything. Right. So, <laughs> um, so I would recommend uh, starting with something simple, short, and pretty clearly defined. So a good place to start would be a 12 bar blues, you know, so just pick a key, a oh, key yeah. pick a key you're comfortable with and, and start. And, and just like with improvisation, it's often really best to start with imitation, so why not pick a, you know, pick a blues head that you already like, or if you want to make it a little more general, pick a composer, a jazz composer that you like, and try to write a simple 12-bar blues melody in that style. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Duke Ellington, so maybe I'll listen to some of Duke Ellington's compositions and say, okay, I'm going to try and write a 12-bar blues head in the style of Duke Ellington. Challenge of the week. There you go. Write, write, write a blues head. And and send it into us. That's what you need to do. That's a great challenge. Go for it. And uh, that process in and of itself involves a lot of things. So again, you got to be you got to be brave. You got to do your homework. You got to make sure you listen to some music. You got to make sure you know the basics of what a twelve bar blues form is. Um, and then just go for it. And part of it is just kind of turning off that voice in your head of constant judgment and constant fear that might be preventing you from putting your ideas down on paper. So I really love uh, some of these tips from Josiah in episode nine. And, you know, I've definitely felt that way before with composing, feeling stuck, feeling not sure how to move forward. But I love that idea of just taking a blues and kind of going from there and just starting simple and moving on, moving forward. He has so many other great tips about this. So I suggest go back to and listen to that. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash episode nine. Now, this next clip is from episode 12, and oh man, I I sort of wish I did this interview a little later on in the podcast because, you know, the podcast grew really quickly and started getting lots of listeners quickly, which is awesome, but this is episode 12, and this is one of my favorite musicians of all time. I actually sat down with him in person in New York City at the New School of Jazz and Contemporary Music. It's Peter Bernstein, guitarist Peter Bernstein, huge inspiration and mentor for me, and we talked about a lot of things in that conversation. It was really enlightening, but here's him just talking a little bit about playing together as a band and how just to make uh, you know a playing musical situation just work out really great. That was just and and you know like I say that was a very impressionable time. So we're getting we're watching all these masters play and seeing that you know they're all different. They're all kind of playing to their strengths and their. Mm-hmm you know, individual qualities, but there's also something, uh, an awareness that makes them able to come together and play together. Like that was, was some more than others, mm-hmm. but, but, but that's the beauty of it. You know, it's like how people's personality manifest in their, in their playing. But so much of the so-called jazz experience is about social connection. Uh, exactly. You know, when you see a jazz group playing, that's an example of human beings working together. You know, not facelessly, not just like, you know, disappearing into a formula because every person in the band has to assert themselves. That's what your so-called solo is. But people assert themselves even in an accompanying role and how a drummer will change the sound of a band or a bass player. I mean, all these things. Once we're kind of keyed into listening for these details, 
we see a whole world of social interaction going on when you see people play. For better or for worse, why does it work? Why does it not work? Right. You know, and, and it's like that's... <laughs> As in life, sometimes it doesn't work. Just like people working together, yeah. trying to do anything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, but when it happens, it's really, it's, it's a social miracle as well as a, you know, a sonic miracle. Right. So, I mean, of course, it sounds good, but what goes into the making of those sounds? What goes into people being relaxed enough to express themselves in the context of a, of a group, of a greater you know, a community. Yeah, such great stuff. Jazz is just social music, and it's those combining of characters and personalities and trying to make those work together and being willing to listen. Uh, I thought that was such a great... Oh, man, there's so much more packed in that episode. And it's, again, like I was saying, it was an earlier episode, so not as many people were downloading it. There's still people downloading it today. So I would encourage you to go back to that one, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 12. Okay, now the next guest, this is, we're jumping ahead uh, to episode 35 now, where I had my good friend, drummer and musician, Diego Maldonado, on to talk about mastering tempo and time, the difference between all those things. And in this particular clip, he is talking about using the metronome and some ways that one might want to use it. Start using the metronome in a more creative way. And like... uh and now it's even easier because there's so many apps and, and stuff that you can uh, program. And uh, for me, it was like I started taking a, uh, off beats mm-hmm. of, of the metronome, yeah. you know. Uh, first, I started with just uh, putting two and four, and then it was mm-hmm. just two, and then it was just four, and then it was just uh, putting uh, a click every other bar. And yeah. nowadays, I have some exercises where I... Sometimes when I do up tempos, I put a, 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 a just one click every four or wow. every yeah. eight bars, and I have the metronome there to just to check that I'm holding on a, on a steady tempo. But uh, but uh, the, the the you know the space is so so wide that uh, I'm actually have to create the tempo. I, right. I need to to have the subdivisions and and everything inside of me in order to every four bars or every eight bars to lock in with that click so uh that type of exercises are great for every musician so much great information from diego about metronomes and he talks a lot more about that in this episode so if you want to listen to more of this go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 35 i'm actually going to have diego on the show again soon to talk about another topic uh, because he is the master of practicing and just getting in there in the practice room. He has a lot of important stuff he's going to talk about. So keep subscribed, keep listening to the show for that. Now we're going to jump to episode 39 where I had trumpeter and kind of a secret jazz master in my opinion. His name is Don Hahn. Mentioned him in a recent episode and uh, he I just sat down and had and interviewed him in general because he has so much to offer. He's played with Maynard Ferguson, Buddy Rich, just among a few names in the jazz scene. And so he's just a, a wealth of knowledge. Uh, this particular question, I just asked him that uh, that basic question of like, hey, what should jazz musicians be doing in order to improve? And this is what he had to say. Practice room. I mean, Mosca has a great uh, system. Like He tries to do his technical studies in the morning for about, an hour, for about an hour, you warm up, get the muscles going. Some people, I never did this, but a lot of people transcribe a lot. They'll mm-hmm. transcribe solos and you know learn to play them. They 
get a feel for the guy who was playing it and how he was thinking and the, with intervals and articulation and such. That's a way, transcribing. Listening to death. I mean, uh, some people always have it on. Not the kind of listening. I see a lot of kids listening to the rapper stuff of today. They just have earplugs in their ears. And if you ask them what was the last tune they heard, they wouldn't know. It's just like a, the bell in Macy's. It's constantly ringing, but you don't hear it. It's passive listening, not active listening. I mean, if, you have, if you're listening to something, really listening and uh, taking it in, you know, uh, like I used to listen to, uh, I know Monk did this, uh, Sasha Perry told me this, uh, he'd play one tune for 12 hours to learn it. And uh, once he did that, I mean, whenever he played that tune, it was there. So some people take a day on a tune or maybe five tunes in a week or something just to really get it down. So uh, there's no question as to what you're playing. That, that's uh, an approach. But listening is the most important thing. You know, I 100% agree with Don. Listening is the most important thing. You know, a lot of people, they want to go to the tips and the tricks and the what scales do I play over this? What kind of techniques? What kind of music theory? And all that stuff is valuable stuff. It's not to be dismissed. But at the end of the day, and some people don't like the answer, it's about listening. It's about just spending that real time of active listening and really digging in that you get familiar with that language. And it does require a little bit of, of, of obsession and commitment sometimes. If you really want to learn tunes really well and a little bit of faith too because you know you listen over and over again and that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to just magically get it and be able to improvise like a pro there's so many other things that are involved in that but you'll be surprised if you don't listen to the music you'll never get it and so don Hahn nails it there that's episode 39 go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 39 to listen to the rest of that one now let's go on to episode 52, which was actually the first birthday episode of the Learn Jazz Standards podcast. And what I did to celebrate that episode was I had on eight special guests to share moments of failure in their musical development and what they learned from it and how they overcame it. I know kind of a negative way to frame an episode, but at the same time, I think that uh, you know, there's so much we can learn from our failures. And so that's why I think that episode was especially valuable. So I had on, uh, I'm just going to show you one of those clips that I had from a musician from New Zealand, a good friend of mine, Mike Taylor, he's a trumpet player, and he shared his uh, kind of lesson from failure and overcoming that. Hi, my name's Mike Taylor, and I'm a trumpet player. Trumpet players and jazz musicians in general, I find have a real tendency to become quite neurotic. We spend hours and hours in the practice room by ourselves working on intricate little phrases. It's so easy to overthink things and get stuck in our heads, which can be unhelpful to our progress. Um, I remember one time I was working on a tonguing passage, and for weeks on end I was working on this. I was getting stuck. I was overthinking it, getting stuck in my head. Um, <laughs> it's so silly, but like at one point I was even rethinking my purpose of being a trumpet player to begin with, which is ridiculous. Um, but my solution for this is so easy. Uh, it took me so many years to figure it out, um, but it's three little words. It's clear your head. Just get out of the room, go take a walk, um, get some air, get a coffee. Um, maybe if it's a big issue in your playing, maybe you need to take a vacation and remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing and the purpose of being a creative musician on this planet. Um, so yeah, just clear your head. Um, helps so much. Two little books that helped me as well, The Inner Game of Tennis and The War of Art. Uh, both were extremely helpful, but 
Honestly, the best advice I have is just to clear your head and and that helps so much in our tendency to overthink. I'm sure that you can relate to Mike Taylor just as much as I do. Just music is, I would say, is at least 50% a head game. I think so, in my opinion. You know, there's that physical side. There's all those other limitations that you may not have that you're trying to overcome. But at the end of the day, it's really a mental game. And it's funny how we can get so wrapped up. And sometimes the best thing to do is just to step back for a second and, uh, you know, just take a break um, to remember what we're doing all this in the first place for. So that was a great musical lesson from Mike Taylor. That's episode 52, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode five two. So the next guest that I'm going to feature was from episode 16, and she's one of my favorite YouTube personalities, YouTube jazz personalities, that is, and that's Amy Nolte. Amy Nolte, check her out on YouTube. She is so awesome, and I had her on episode 60 to talk about relative pitch, among some other ear training stuff. She has perfect pitch, but she talks a lot about relative pitch, why that's useful, and how you can actually use it. And in this particular clip, um, she's talking about her method for developing perfect pitch for one tone so that you can have relative pitch just by memorizing one. And I love this. And I, she puts, I actually put myself to the test on this in this clip. So check it out. Well, I, I mean, I have this, you know, I don't, I don't think I made it up or anything, but, but just this little concept that I like to call finding your perfect pitch jam. And that way I don't look at it like it's an exercise or, you know, a tedious process of trying to learn relative pitch because, because, you know, say that you're in an acapella group and you guys go out to sing at a mall it's super fancy and you guys are right by the food court and everything and then you have got to be the one to tell your your group you know the note that you start your song on what what if your song's in a and and uh and somebody's got to find an a because nobody right. brought a pitch pipe like how are right. you going to do that so so my my little thing called perfect pitch jam is that you figure out some song that you're really, really comfortable with, like some song that you know inside and out so well that you can actually kind of hear it playing in your mind. And then you think about it really hard and you hear it and then you try to produce the sound or a pitch. Right, which is crazy. And okay, spoiler alert to everybody listening right now. Uh, This isn't the first time I've heard Amy talk about this. Uh, I snuck into some of her YouTube videos and heard her talk about this before. And and in complete honesty, Amy, when I first heard you talk about this, finding your perfect pitch jam and uh, discovering a note from just a song that you think you really know really well, I I didn't buy it at first. At first, I was like, I I, I don't know about this. So uh, what I did is I I, I tried it out myself. I was like, well, I got to give this a try. And so I thought of a song that... Uh, for me, I play all the time and and tried it myself. I try the one I I know I know uh, my shining hour so well. I love that too. Uh, yeah, it's a great song. Uh, I, I play it in C and E flat, but often in E flat. So I feel I felt like I knew it. And so I started testing myself, and I've been like practicing throughout the week, and I feel like I've been nailing it like ninety five percent of the time. Nice. So and and I was just so blown away by that. I was like, man, she knows what she's talking about. That's crazy. Because I feel like just by 
the first note, by the way, is G. So just by defining what G is, it, I just felt like, wow, like I can, maybe I can figure out everything else from here or, or maybe get used to other notes. In fact, here, let, I might embarrass myself really bad here and that's okay. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can get G. Um, D. You got it, Brent. I got it. Oh, I'm so happy. Okay, great. Nailed it. Uh, it, th- it's, it still thrills me every single time. Um, okay, awesome. Be sure to check out the rest of that episode. Amy just lays down a ton more value there. So learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode six zero. And you know, when it comes to having relative pitch and, and other fundamentals of ear training, they're really great tools to have. They won't necessarily make you an awesome improviser, but I find that having the fundamentals of ear training, which I consider to be intervals, hearing chords, hearing chord progressions, and then there's that final translating what you hear to your instrument, Having those together gives you this really strong, solid foundation that just kind of gives you the leg up. So ear training is important, and thanks for Amy for pointing all of that out. Uh, we do have a free resource, by the way, if you want to work on your ear training a bit, those fundamentals. Um, it's our ultimate ear training blueprint and four-part video lesson series where I walk you through each one of those fundamentals and how to do that. And yeah, I do at the end offer uh, entrance into our ear training course called How to Play What You Hear, which is a great course. Of course, you don't have to buy that course in order to get this free resource. It's still going to be really helpful for you. So if you want to check that out, go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ear training, and I'll send you that blueprint and video series straight away. Now, this next guest, he was also on episode 109, which is a little more recent, but I also had him over on episode 63. It's Brett Pontecorvo, How to Become an Expert Sight Reader, and he talks uh, about all kinds of tips for those who want to become better sight readers who maybe aren't as good at that. And it's funny because on this uh, on this podcast, the listeners who listen to this or on the blog or people in our Learn Jazz Standards community Facebook group, I hear from people from both sides, those who are very jazz trained or rock trained and really didn't learn by uh, reading music as much. And then I find that there's also musicians that come from the classical background that are trying to get into jazz. And, and those people obviously are great at at uh, reading, but not necessarily as great as play, playing by ear and vice versa for the others. So he shares some of his best tips. And so before this clip, I just simply ask him, hey, what do you need to do to start becoming a great sight reader and start overcoming those obstacles? And this is what he had to say. You know, there, there are a couple of things, a couple of key things. Uh, the first key thing is I like made a point to say, okay, if I'm going to be playing a lot of musicals, I need to be playing a lot of musical theater music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this is a slight, like, you know, maybe a little bit off, but I just got a bunch of music and started playing through it. Um, and not even so much like uh, it needs to be perfect, but I just got a book and played and kept turning the pages. Um, and it did two things. First of all, it got me familiar with the style of music, but second of all, mm-hmm. you start to see things repeat, you know? Um, so it, like at, it reached a point where if I saw four quarter notes in a measure, mm-hmm. I no longer had to wonder what that sounded like. Um, right. you know, and then it would be reduced to then, okay, I know what the rhythm is. What are the notes? Um, right. The other thing that like I was quickly sort of convicted of is that I didn't actually know my major scales very well. Okay. Um, 
and so this can be a problem if you're reading, right? You get something and you look at it and it's super easy. And you're like, I've got this. And you start playing it in C, but actually it's in whatever. It's in F. You didn't check the key signature. And now everything that you're playing is incorrect or it's the wrong tonality or... Um, right. You, you know? Um, yeah, so I think, I think a big thing about like becoming a better sight reader is just spending time reading. And, right. you know, and, and all of your skills transfer. So if you, you, if you learn a piece that you were uncomfortable reading and you really like slug through it and you get all of your rhythms and you get all of your notes, um, there are certain things from that song that you'll never need to work on again. Brett is a super knowledgeable guy. He's also uh, my editor and copyist for all of my ebooks and musical materials, whether it's in my book Zero to Improv or the Jazz Standards Playbook or even my courses. Uh, you know, he does all that stuff. So he's a really knowledgeable guy. He knows everything about reading music, writing music, editing music. So if you want to hear more of those expert sight reading tips, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 63. All right, the next guest is from episode 65, and he's another one of my favorite YouTube personalities. That's Jeff Schneider. Check him out, Jeff Schneider Music on YouTube. Really knowledgeable, really impressive musician. And I had him on just to talk about developing really great jazz solos by thinking like a composer. And so in this clip, I ask him the question, you know, how do we create really great melodies while we are improvising? And he gave a really great answer. Here it is. Yeah, that's uh, that's the challenge, right? It's um, and and I think you're absolutely right about the uh, thinking about improvising as just sped up composition or spontaneous composition. And I think the the trick is first you have to not put yourself in in the moment for for a second and slow down and see if you can actually just compose a melody. Like if you can't if you can't compose a folk song, like a very simple kind of a folky nursery rhyme type of a tune then it's going to be really hard to do that on the spot on like a on a bebop solo or something you know oh, that's when you're in the moment kind of stop things and slow down and and just make sure you can do some very basic composition is is super important because that's you know as as you said that's what uh, improvising is it's it's that sped up composition so if you're not thinking about it in that way i think that's going to that's going to hold hold you back in terms of getting your your solos to actually sound like they could be considered compositions, which I think is ideal. Rock solid advice from Jeff Schneider. Me and Jeff, actually, he lives around New York City, just across the river in New Jersey. We actually get together, uh, you know, on the occasion just to have a coffee and uh, catch up, talk about his YouTube channel, talk about LearnJazzStandards.com together. He's a good uh, good comrade uh, in the music, so uh, definitely check more of him out, and you can listen to that whole episode, LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash episode 65. Now, the next guest... Uh, comes from episode 82, and this is a, another really great, uh, really great guest, Christopher Sutton from Musical U, Musical U, Musical U.com. Um, and he talks about setting game changing goals for you, your, your musicianship because at the end of the day, we can learn how to do, you could listen to as many episodes of this podcast as you want, but if you don't actually set up goals that are structured, that help you get from point A to point B, and, and really have some method to that madness, all your, your, your stuff is just not going to work out. You need, I would say goals is one of the most important things you could possibly do. So here's Christopher talking a little bit about that. Sure. So I think 
a helpful framework for thinking about it is in terms of goals, plans, and follow through. Because all three of those are critical. You know, if you've got a bad goal or too many goals or the wrong goal, you're not going to get any progress. If you have good goals, but you don't really make a plan or you don't、um, get clarity around that plan, you're not going to get anywhere. And if you have great goals and a great plan, but you don't actually follow through on that plan, you're not going to get anywhere. So you really do need to think about those three things. It's not just a matter of setting a good goal, but certainly goals are where it starts. And can you name the, can you name the three things again? Just,、uh, what, sorry, what sure. Just to- so goals. Which is your outcome, your target, where you're trying to get to. The second would be planning. How are you going to actually get to that goal? What are you going to be doing to help you achieve that target? And the third is follow through. What's, what are you going to do to make sure you actually follow through on that plan day by day, week by week, month by month? Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, sure. So I love that you talked there about the kind of musician you want to become,、um, because that really is where we start with at Musical U. And before we start talking about you know, your two month target or your six week goal, it's really valuable to take even just 10 minutes. And I, I suspect if your audience is anything like ours and all of the musicians I've known, you've probably never done this.、Um, but if you take 10 minutes and you ask yourself, what is it you actually want to accomplish in music? And for me, I like a, a five year timeline because that's close enough to be tangible, but it's far enough that you don't get caught up in the nitty gritty of, oh, can I actually do that? Or what will it take? So if you imagine yourself, say, five years in the future and everything has magically gone perfectly with your musical training, what does that look like? You know, how is your musical life different? What things are you able to do then that you're maybe not able to do now? And what does it feel like to have that perfect five year success? And at Musical U, we call that your big picture vision. It's just a really clear description. It's maybe a couple of paragraphs long. So, not just a sentence, not a few words, not 10 pages, unless you really want to write a lot, but you know, a few paragraphs that really capture what it would mean to be totally successful in your musical life. All right, that's amazing info from Christopher Sun. Sometimes setting those, those sky high goals, that vision that you want to achieve, not even sometimes, every single time, it's going to be beneficial and important. And in this episode, actually, if you listen to it, Christopher goes into some very tangible ways, what he calls his magic goals system for setting and achieving your goals. So definitely check that out, episode 82. So learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 82. Two. Now, this next guest, this is episode 89. It's、uh, my old roomie, Dorota Piotrowska, drummer. She talks about rhythm and time, and here's her answer to how to start doing that. Okay, first one, and it's huge. And I know some people will not like that answer, but you have to dance. You have to dance to the music. <laughs> Love it. Why is, why is dancing so important? That the fact that our body knows to move to a certain rhythm gives it a sense of freedom and a natural kind of flow to itself. And so when, you, when you're playing a solo, even when you play chord notes, it's a, somehow you're moving your fingers as well. So that, those are micro movements. And when you're dancing, it's like the whole body is moving. But That's how inside of you there starts to be a certain understanding. Like, this is why you see some, you know, hip hop musicians or many kinds of musicians actually that dance at their instruments. Like, sometimes I would look at Greg Hutchinson, you know, who is an amazing、mm-hmm. drummer and, and, and mentor of mine and great teacher. Like, sometimes I would look at him 
and he would be playing, you know, a jazz standard, swinging like crazy. And then I see him and he's dancing. He's dancing on the chair and like using his all four limbs, you know, to do something else. But he's basically dancing on a chair. Right. So, I mean, if you have that kind of flow in your body, uh, it will help you immensely to like develop a time flow on anything that you're doing later on on your instrument. So just dance. Put a music, put, it, put an old Ellington, Duke Ellington record, you know, like a big band record or Count Basie and just walk around your room and just move, you know, move your body. So that would be number one. So much of music is just feeling and being familiar with. It goes back to when Don Hahn was talking about listening and how important that is. And now Dorota's talking about, and, and I love how it's such a simple answer it is, right? Because there's all kinds of complex answers to developing rhythm and time and all this stuff. But she's just talking about, think about dancing and moving and feeling all of those rhythms that are happening. Um and the more that you do that, the easier you're going to just understand it. And that's what a lot of music is, is just exposure and critical listening and feeling and understanding it. So, yeah, check out that episode. Great episode 89 with Dorota Pietroska, LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash episode 89. Just a few more of these to go to close out the episode this next one was episode 85, where I had guest Steve Nixon from freejazzlessons.com on the show, and we talked about a lot of stuff that has to do with jazz, improving, practicing smart. I mean, this was a really strong uh, episode, uh, so learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 85, you want to listen to the rest of this, but I asked him at one point, if you're a beginner you know, what should you be working on? And the great thing about this is his answer, I feel like... It still, it still counts for everybody else, intermediate, advanced, no matter where you are. A lot of these things, you just do them. Like, you keep doing them. And so here's what he had to say about that. Okay. So beginners need some fundamental things, right? They need to understand how to play in time. They need to figure out how to get their fingers wiggling in the right way, right, to get their, right. their actual dexterity to a somewhat decent level. You know, they don't need to be Oscar Peterson or Coltrane in 15 minutes, but, like, you know, they need to get that mind-body connection at least to a basic level, right? Um, so they need to understand chords and harmony. Even if you're a sax player or you're a flute player and you're not playing chords, you at least have to understand the basics one-on-one -on -one of harmony. You know, like, what are the most common chord progressions in jazz, Right. Now, the other things that people need to know is they need to know tunes, you know. At the end of the day, it is all about tunes, and you can explore a million different things in jazz and music through the context of tunes. But, like, you know, again, I, I said very, you know, earlier, like, nobody's calling you out to play Hannon at Carnegie Hall, but they do want you to play songs, you know. So um, right. those, are, those are some really good kind of, like, you know, surface-level starting points for beginners. So great tips from Steve Nixon. And like I said, this isn't just for beginners. I mean, if you are an intermediate or advanced player, I mean, these are all things that you just continually do and you will continually improve as a jazz musician. But emphasis there on the learning the tunes, right? The tunes will teach you how to play. So the more tunes you learn, the more you learn about jazz harmony, about the language, and how to actually communicate with other jazz musicians. So, But if you are a beginner, you might be thinking, well, how do I learn tunes effectively? And that's a great question, you know, especially if you know, you've heard me talk before about learning tunes by ear, which is really important. 
well, that might seem daunting or, or hard. Um, that's why I came up with a really great free handout. Uh, it's called, uh, it's a little e-guide called Learn Jazz Standards the Smart Way. So if you want to get that for free and uh, check out that guide, I go through my list process, which I did talk about on another episode of this podcast, but I actually have an extra bonus step in there that's going to be really helpful. And this is just a nice handout to have. So if you want to get that, go to LearnJazzStandardsTheSmartWay.com. LearnJazzStandardsTheSmartWay.com, and you can download that. I'll send it to you. Uh, just give me your email address, and we'll hook you up. All right. Last guest of the show that I want to share with you. Some of you might remember this one. This is episode 98, where I actually had my brother, Matt Vartstra, on the show. He is a performance and sports psychologist. We've had other sport. We have we've had Noah Kagayama, Doctor Noah Kagayama, on the show before as well, who is a sports psychologist. But on this one, we have my brother, and he just man, this is one of my favorite episodes. And it's not because he's my brother, but because man, he's really good at teaching, and he just lays down a lot of things. And we talk about mindset and how important mindset is. Uh, we heard that a bit in Mike Taylor's talk, where he talks about that mindset being so important to performing as a musician, and how mindset is like at least 50%. And so Matt goes over tons of amazing tips in this episode about how to set your mindset up for success. And in this particular clip, he talks about your self-talk script, which is basically you know, a script that you develop for yourself so you can prepare your mind and center, recenter yourself around positive thinking for optimal performance. So here it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, great question. And uh, um, <laughs> coming from from an, a- an academic standpoint, uh, we we could teach entire courses on on how to properly manage self talk. And I have um, taught several courses uh, that, that a large component of it has been self talk. Um, a couple tips for your for your listeners um, would, would uh, regarding self talk. There's two really big things uh, I think that come into play here um, that you can actually engage in what in what I would call mental training. Um, in order to enhance your self-talk. Um, the first one um, is a little bit more involved, um, and, and some people can, it feels hokey sometimes when people do it, um, but, I, but I, I, can, I, can, I don't always guarantee, but I nearly guarantee um, that it will enhance your, your self-talk to a more positive level. And that's writing a self-talk script. Um, Ooh. I've encouraged athletes to do this, other performers to do this, um, and, and and essentially what a self-talk script is is uh, you sit down and you actually like like type out, write out. Some people will even verbally like record it and and listen to it um, so that they hear themselves saying it to themselves. Um, that's something that that works for some people. Again, you have to find what works for you. A self-talk script really comprises um, what are the key things that you want to remind yourself of. What are the key things that you want to say to yourself. On a regular basis, and it doesn't even have to be specific to performance. Um, sometimes, you know, it depends on the person, but sometimes people get stressed out or, or get into a, a bad mindset or, or a negative uh, self-talk spiral because of what's going on outside of, of their life. It could be something going on at home, and then they're coming into a performance thinking about something mm-hmm. And so self-talk scripts are remind yourself of your strengths, um, remind yourself of all the time that you spent practicing, uh, remind yourself of moments when you felt really great about your performances. Put yourself into that space where um, you remember how it felt to perform really well. Again, like I said, so many tips in that particular episode. I would definitely suggest checking that one out. If you haven't already, that's episode 98, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 98. 
Now, like I said at the beginning of this episode, there are so many interviews with so many amazing guests that I just kind of skipped over, and I just had to really pick out a few just for the essence of time. So, so much, just always feel free to go back in the archives, whether you're subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, or you're actually following on the website. There's so much material to consume, and I'm going to continue having amazing guests on this show, both new guests and also having some of these guys back on because they have so much more to share with you. And uh, sometimes guests have something to share, oftentimes, that I, I can't share with you. And that's why I have guests because my goal is to serve you in becoming a better jazz musician, a better musician in general. And sometimes that means me telling you some things, teaching you some things that I know. And other times that means me having people on that can share their expertise And the fun part for me is I get to learn right alongside of you. So it's so much fun. And we're we're just going to look forward to doing a lot more interviews here in the future. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this special episode, a little different than normal. Uh, But I do also hope that you go out and check out some of these other episodes in the archives. And in today's show notes, episode 118, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 118, I will have links to all these episodes as well as some of the other things I mentioned uh, in this episode for you to check out as well. Now, as I always ask, if you found some value out of today's episode, you know, don't keep it to yourself. Go to iTunes or your favorite podcast listening service and leave a rating and a review. Rating and reviews are really just free, simple ways that you can give back to this podcast and help others find this podcast so we can continue to con- you know, create great content for you for absolutely free. So feel free to take a, just a couple minutes just to do that, rate and review the podcast, leave some positive feedback. All right, we're going to be coming back with you in episode 119. I look forward to seeing you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.